Corinthians in chapter 5. 1 Corinthians in chapter 5. There are two what we would call church discipline passages. And we looked at the one in Matthew 18. And that gives us the broad scope of, of you know, starting just between people. And uh, again, the best place to do that is between, between in family. It's a good place to practice it, right in family, when you mess up. And do it the same way. If you mess up with one person, you apologize to one more person. If you mess up in front of the family, you apologize in front of the family, the whole bit. So, um, 1 Corinthians chapter 5 is where Paul instructs uh, the church there at Corinth, now that they've reached the last stage of this, uh, how things, or well, rather, uh, it needs to reach the last stage. It's gone beyond that. I mean, uh, because of the, the nature of the sin, it has to go all the way to the, the final stage because they've dealt with it improperly. Um, and so what we have is the how-to of that. You know, if you, if, you have to, if you have to remove somebody from the membership, okay, at, under disciplinary, for disciplinary results or for disciplinary reasons, First uh, Corinthians chapter 5 is that. So the way, this would be the way of church discipline. Okay, so we're going to walk through it here. Uh, matter of fact, I'll, I'll just go ahead and read the, the, the chapter because the chapter pretty much covers it. And we're going to be going back into this chapter a good bit. So 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 1. It is reported commonly that there is fornication among you, and such fornication as is not so much as named among the Gentiles, that one should have his father's wife. And ye are puffed up, and have not rather mourned, that he that hath done this deed might be taken away from among you. For I verily, as absent in body but present in spirit, have judged already as though I were present concerning him that hath done so, have done this, so done this deed. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when ye are gathered together in my spirit with the power of our... I'm sorry, let me, let me read that again so I'm reading it properly. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when ye are gathered together in my spirit with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ to deliver such an one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that the Spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Your glorying is not good. Know ye not that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump? Purge out, therefore, the old leaven, that ye may be a new lump, as ye are unleavened. For even Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. Therefore... Let us keep the feast not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. I wrote unto you in an epistle not to company with fornicators, yet not altogether with the fornicators of this world, or with the covetous or extortioners, or with the idolaters, for then must ye needs go out of the world. Okay, you understand he's, he's now drawing a distinction between fornicators that are in the church and fornicators that are out of the church, he says, I'm, I'm not telling you not to hang around all fornicators because if you're in the world, you're around fornicators. And that's why he makes the statement, uh, or with the dollars, for then must you needs go out of the world. I mean, uh, you have to be in space somewhere or live on Mars alone, okay? And even then you're with yourself, but anyways. So, verse 11. 
But now have I written unto you not to keep company if any man that is called a brother be a fornicator or covetous or an idolater or a railer or a drunkard or, a, or an extortioner. With such an one know not to eat. For what have I to do for what have I to do to judge them also that are without? Do not ye judge that are judge them that are within, but them that are without God judgeth. Therefore put away from among yourselves that wicked person. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we ask for your help and blessing as we walk through this uh, <coughs> final uh I guess I don't want to say stage, Lord, but the final major portion of church discipline. I, I pray that you would help us to understand it and take it, Lord, not as a suggestion, not as something that we can toy with and play with and use politics and favoritism, but, Lord, just use it as you've given it. And we'll thank you for it, Lord, and we'd ask this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want to make sure I say this and say it clearly, is that um, things like this do have to happen. When, there's, when you get to this point, we can't pretend like it's not that bad, which is what the current Corinthians did. We also can't come up with our own version of what to do. This is the version of what to do. We can't, we can't throw in ideas Uh, suggestions, this is the version that God wants us to use and this is what must be used. And we have to be very careful because when it comes to stuff like this, what do we get sucked in doing? We get sucked in arguing about the goodness or badness or comparing it to other sins or other, you know, things that we've done in the past or what other people might have done. And all of that is irrelevant. Comparison is pointless and it's politics and it's irrelevant. Okay, the reason we do it is because this is what God has said to do. This is the process that needs to be taken care of. And I think we have a pretty clear understanding of what Paul, the group of people Paul says that need to be dealt with. I mean, if any man that is called a brother be a, and now we have a list, a clear list, fornicator, okay, covetous, idolater, a railer, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time going through these. That's not the purpose at the moment. A drunkard. An extortioner with such an one know not to eat. This is pretty clear. That's a pretty clean list. Okay? So say, well, it's my brother. I understand. It's your family. Listen, church discipline is not, is not time to take up the blood, blood is thicker than water argument because the, the blood of Christ is thicker than all of that. And that's what should be based on the, the church Okay, the church is what needs to be protected here. And by the way, that doesn't mean that family doesn't talk to family. Okay, and we're going to talk about that. Now, somehow we get that we really got this messed up. Nowhere is the idea of just this complete shunning in Scripture. We're even going to look at it here in the passage of what He's given us today. So, this is sometimes called the church discipline chapter. Um, I've always thought of Matthew 18 as the first portion of that. So this would be another church discipline chapter. But it does give us into in, insight into conduct and effects of corrective discipline. Okay, so number one, this here here we go. Once we've already walked through the first two stages, and in this thing, it's become such an issue that 
I mean, the whole church was so messed up. That's, we don't, we're not sitting on an issue like that. Almost all the things that we can do can be dealt with in the first two stages. But once you've dealt with those first two stages, there's been a personal meeting, and now there's also been a, a, a couple of people meeting with some, other, some others to kind of witness and examine, see what's going on. There's still no um, resolution, of the, or the person that actually is in the wrong refuses to get right. It needs to be brought before the church. And verse 4 is quite clear in this. If then ye, plural, have judgments of things pertaining to this life. But, whoops, I'm sorry, I went to the wrong. I kept, that's not right. Okay, chapter 5. Let's try reading in the right, right chapter. Okay, all right. Um, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, verse 4. When ye are gathered together. You understand that? It has to be something that is dealt with corporately. Okay, corporately. Uh, now, it's interesting, I have seen issues like this where it never got to stage three in actuality because the person chose to leave the church rather than be embarrassed. By the way, that doesn't, that doesn't actually absolve the church of addressing it corporately because the sin was done corporately with that existing church, and it still must be addressed with the church. And I have been in a situation where the pastor said, this is what we've had to do. The man has chosen not to be a member any longer. But just so you know, this has happened, and this is what we have had to do. Please pray for the family. Uh, I mean, it was an awful, awful thing, just really messed up. But it's a corporate thing. In other words, it's not the pastor's decision, okay, uh, this isn't a yes-man meeting unless it's to be Jesus' yes-men. Okay? This, it's, it's not my job to put people out of the church. Now, interestingly enough, it is my job to protect, protect the church from wolves. Okay? And if there's a wolf, I guarantee you the gun's coming out. Okay? But this is, this is not a wolf. This is a brother. Okay? Now it's a brother. This is one of the sheep. So it's not my decision. The pastor doesn't get up and say, bless God, this is what we're going to do, and you're all just going to toe the line. No, uh, the pastor had, does not have authority here. The church has authority. As a, if we go back to Matthew 18, 17, okay, you go through the first stage and the second stage. The third stage is not tell it to the pastor. It's tell it to the church. Okay, Tell it to the church. Guess what that means? If you're not going to get your stuff right with people, and you refuse to, then it will be brought up publicly. I mean, this really ought to be an encouragement to us to get our, our relationships right with others. Okay? So, uh, it is not the pastor's place. When ye are come together, so the church acts corporately. Now, also in verse 4, look, look at what it says. And again, I, got, I keep going to the wrong chapter. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when ye are gathered together in my spirit with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ. That means the church acts with authority. The, church, the church's decision on this is authoritative. It has authority. And it has the power of, that's the word power there, that's the idea. It's Christ's authority is backing us up. Okay? With the power or the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ. So this this decision is something that is that the Lord says, I'm putting my stamp of approval on this. 
Again, does anybody recognize then the severity and sobriety with which we should act on such things as this? I'm not saying it shouldn't be done. I'm just saying when we get to this point, you recognize that we are wielding power that has been granted to us by Jesus Christ in this instance. And boy, oh boy, we had better be right. Amen. There had better be prayer. I would say prayer, fasting, discussion, uh, much before we get here. Okay? I'm just going to back up a sec because this is one of those things. The church acts corporately. It's amazing to me how people get all upset when it finally makes it to the public knowledge, whether it reaches it because of this process or it reaches the public knowledge because it was handled properly ahead of time and it never had to reach this process. And at some point it comes out and somebody says, well, why didn't I know? I'm a member. I had a right to know. No, you didn't. Nowhere in Scripture does it say because you're a member, you can get it all up in everybody else's business. And again, if you understand the idea of Matthew 18, you deal with this in the smallest group possible. If everyone doesn't need to know, then they don't need to know. Okay? I just had this discussion. Katrina and I were talking about some things. Uh, and uh, it's funny because I had the same discussion with, uh, two, I think, one or two other people in this process. And I've had it with all my kids. Because, you know, they're curious. Well, what about that? What about this? What about that? And then they reach a point and I'm going, yeah, I, I'm not going to answer that. <laughs> well, why not? Blah, blah, blah. What about, you know how kids, we're all curious. I did the same thing. And it was one of those things. The same way I just love the story by Corey Tenboom when she was walking with her dad and she was asking him how babies were made and she was a little too young to know and uh, to know all the details and he was carrying his, he had a repair case of some sort, like real heavy full of tools and he put it down and said, why don't you carry that? And she couldn't carry it. I can't carry it. And he said, that's kind of like that question you asked. Uh, I'm telling you, beware of your own curiosity because you don't need to know everything, and there are some things, once you find out, you wish you didn't know. Because you can't tell anybody, and you can't do anything with the information, and it's, it was better if you just would have never known it to begin with. Amen? Has anybody ever been there? I'm tell you, it's, it's one of those things. But anyways, so the church acts corporately, the church acts authoritatively. I will say this, the church acts purposefully. This is not an off-the-cuff, fly-off-the-handle event, okay? Uh, The church acts purposefully. I'm going to use this illustration a couple times, but if I ever have to have have a limb removed, I'm uh, I'm not going to go to Dr. Guillotine. If a guy's just going to haul out an axe and lop it off, no. Did you understand when they remove a limb that there is many details involved? Blood vessels are considered. Every tendon is considered. Does it stay? Does it go? The muscles, does it stay? Does it go? Everything is considered in detail very carefully. And, and literally you're put to sleep and it's, it's done with a little bitty knife that slowly, very slowly takes off layer after layer making sure to remove only what's necessary. Not haul out an axe and go, bless God, you're out of here. Okay, do you hear what I'm saying? Okay. So the church acts 
purposefully. The offending, here we go, the offending member does have to be removed, just like we would remove gangrene from a gangrene limb from a body or cancer. Okay, look at verses 6 through 8 again. Your glorying is not good. Know ye that a little leaven leaveneth a whole lump. It only takes just a little bit of wickedness to start affecting everything. That, that's a whole message right there. Shall I stop and preach it? That works well beyond church discipline. Okay? That's almost convicting. Moving right along, verse 7. Purge out, therefore, the old leaven, that ye may be a new lump, as ye are unleavened. You know, it's like my apple tree. If you want it to grow, there's some, if, if you've got disease, it's got to be cut out. So you have, some things have to be cut out. Now, here's the process. What does this mean? We're going to be removed for the benefit of the whole body. And this sounds horrible, but let's, let's just read it. Verse 5. To deliver such an one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh. Delivered unto Satan. What are we saying here? There are cases where the final end or result of church discipline may be death. Now, let's be very clear because history has seen many religions misuse this for their own gain. Nowhere, nowhere does it say that the church has execution rights. Not said. Not in there. As a matter of fact, that does not even fall within the purview of, of, of anything church. Capital punishment is a government thing that God has given. Okay? So we've had cruel events in the past under the name of religion that are wicked. That's, that's not what this is saying. Period. What it's saying is, it's going to be given, God might give permission to the, for the devil to take the life of the believer. Okay, now notice, it doesn't stop there. Okay, it does not even say that they're going to lose their salvation. Because look at what, look at the rest of verse B, or verse 5 says. To deliver such an one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. We're not talking about excommunication equaling losing your salvation. Not at all. The Spirit's still being saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. I mean, we're still seeing this person end up in heaven, okay? So exclusion from church does not equal loss of salvation. Not there. You're not going to see it. It's not there, okay? Is everybody with me? Okay. So the, the, if there is physical death, it can result in that. It's not at the hands of the church. It would be by the permissive will of God, if you will, uh, probably in the, at the hands of Satan. Verse 7, okay? There needs to be purging. Look at verse 7. Purge out, therefore, the old leaven. The word purge, to clean, to prune, to remove, okay? Just like you'd prune an apple tree. It's literally to sever from the, from the apple tree and remove, to clean out, okay? It, and has anybody ever done one of those diet purges? Purge diets, That's, you know, they're not extremely fun. Um, matter of fact, they make jokes about it. You know, like, I can't feel my face, and, and uh, purging can be painful. Purging can be fa- painful. It can be. Uh, if, there's, if there's, in the body, again, a cancer that needs to be removed, it's not like there's no pain associated with that. 
It's not like there's no recovery. Okay, but what's the hope? What is the result? Is that the body can continue, this body as a church, can continue to produce fruit. Amen? That's, that's the idea. Okay, so purging. Get, sometimes that, that's part of it out. It has to be purged. To deliver unto Satan. Purged. Now verse 9 and 11 give us a little bit more detail what that looks like. Okay? Verse 9. I wrote unto you in an epistle not to keep company with. Okay? Not to keep company with. And again, he's talking to the church at Corinth. And this is, this is in uh, Christian fellowship. Church fellowship. Christian fellowship. This is not shunning, okay? Uh, it's the idea of they are no longer a member. They will no longer be welcome at the Lord's Supper. Uh, they are not invited to business meetings. They're, they're, if they're there, their opinion is not welcome nor accepted, okay? Not to keep company with. He is to be treated as one would treat a lost man. That's according to Matthew eighteen seventeen. Treat him as you would treat a lost man, a publican or a sinner. How would you treat a lost man? Now, this gets it's interesting because we might need to challenge some of us on our relationships with lost people. Because we are supposed to have relationships with lost people to some extent, are we not? But there has to be a line. We are not them. We are led by another, okay? So, verse 10, again, I want to point you back at that verse 10 thing. Yet not altogether with the fornicators of this world, or with the covetous or extortioners or with idolaters, for then you must needs go out of the world. But now I have written unto you, not to keep company if any man that is called a brother do these things. So not to keep company with them. And again, it's not shunning. The idea is it's clarifying them. was talking about Christian company. Not to keep Christian company with them. Uh, I mean, you're going to... There's normal worldly association that you would that you would meet someone and talk with them or whatever, just not Christian company. Verse 13, what extent does that go to? Okay. But them that are without, God judgeth. Therefore put away from among yourselves that wicked person. So put away. So put away is kind of an interesting thing. It's a very specific word that means to, they're not to be treated with a familiar attitude. There's no familiarity. There's no, hey, bud, how you doing? Come give me a hug. It's not familiar. You understand that? It's, it's greet them, see them, but it's, it's no longer as a welcome member of the family. Okay, It's as someone who is outside the family. 2 Thessalonians 3.6. Okay, if you'd like to turn there, not, not be a, we've got a few verses here we can look at to kind of add to this idea. 2 Thessalonians 3. It says, Now we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye withdraw yourselves from every brother that walketh disorderly and not after tradition which he received of us. Withdraw. Again, it's it's you don't have society with them. You don't have that, that's the word in there. It's, they're no longer in your society. Okay? No fellowship. There's no fellowship with them. In other words, um, you know what? If they used to come over to the they used to come over to the house every night after church, uh, you're not doing that anymore. Okay. Uh, 
if there's no familiar society. Well, I work out with them every Thursday. Not anymore. Okay? I mean, not granted. If you work out with lost people and happen to be there, great. That's, that's the idea. The idea is there does have to be a, there needs to be a, a physical separation from them. Again, not a shunning, but a physical separation. Okay? And here's, it even gets it. So 2 Thessalonians, while you're there, go down to verse 14. Verse 14. And if any man obey not our word by this epistle, note that man and have no company with him. Okay? The word note, okay, it's kind of like, kind of like we would use the word mark or to draw attention to them. In other, words, in other words, amongst the church, we say, listen, this brother is not to be treated in, in church fellowship or Christian fellowship until he has repented. It's noted. Marked, called out, connect the dots. Now, this stuff's not fun, okay? Romans 16, 17. Romans 16, 17. <clears throat> I will say that there's absolutely no difference between how you treat lost people and how you treat the believers that you go to church with. You need to examine your church life, seriously. Or, or maybe you're lost lost friend's life, I don't know. I'm not saying you shouldn't have interaction, but there should be a noticeable difference. Romans 16, 17. Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrines you have learned, and avoid them. This word mark is really close to the word note. It is a different word, but again, it's the idea of this, is pay attention to them. Uh, <coughs> I think this could work for both people, but guys, I'll aim it at you. Have you ever been in a situation where another man has all of your antennas going, something's wrong, I don't like what's going on there, and everything you're doing, you find yourself putting yourself in between that person and your family, and you're, you have them, you know where they are when they're around, you're aware of what they're doing, you're watching what they're doing, that's the idea there. For you ladies, it might be some lady that starts flirting with your husband. Okay, there's an immediate, <laughs> you got your eye on them. This, this, this is the idea, is literally to watch you're paying attention to. Okay, now that might be interesting, but mark them, pay attention to that. Some of that includes the, the whole finding, but it's also afterwards. So for me as a pastor, it would start if, if I feel like I'm seeing someone starting to cause a little bit of trouble, I'm going, to keep, I'm going to suddenly pay more attention to them than I would normally. And if I have caught them giving, causing trouble, I will be always watching them and also passing on to the men, hey, keep, let's keep an eye on this because I don't like what's going on here. Okay? So that's the idea. But once they've been disciplined, mark them, pay attention to them, avoid. It, come, it comes with the idea of avoidance. Okay? Titus 1.13 Titus 1.13. We're still under the idea of putting away, the putting away. Titus chapter 1 and verse 13 says, Now this is true in many areas, but it's very true here also, okay? This witness is true, wherefore rebuke them sharply, that they may be sound in the faith. And as we already understand, church discipline, the ultimate goal is restoration. 
rebuking them sharply is part of that. What, what does that mean, sharply? Does it mean you have to be loud and offensive? No, that's not what that's saying. The word sharply means that you are stating the offense clearly. Okay? You know, I've seen people where, even issues like this, where people get all caught up and they start saying, yeah, I remember when. That's not appropriate. You know, we aren't going back 48 years to some little tiff you had that you didn't take care of between them. That's not, that's not appropriate. We're dealing with this sin right here. Here's the Bible verse that says it's wrong. And here's so-and-so dealt with you and you wouldn't, you wouldn't get right. Then we had these three men or these two men. They, they dealt with you and you wouldn't get right. Now we brought you before the church and you're still unwilling to get it right. Okay, you hear what I'm saying? It's clear. The word sharp means that it's on a knife edge. It's as clear as a bell. This is why. And we're not going to start adding in a bunch of other junk on top of it. It's because of this. If there's more than one item, great. But it must be stated clearly. Okay? Um, how, did, how did Jesus rebuke the devil? And he did it sharply. It is written. You're, you're, it's black and white. You're being dirty. Here's the clean. Okay? And we're giving you the, the ability to wash up and you're not taking it. Okay? Now, interestingly enough, and you might hear this, you might have read this, a lot of these passages we've just read are often used for what people call ecclesiastical separation. Um, in other words, why we would not participate with other apostate groups. Um, why in the world we should have anything to do with apostate groups to begin with is a real problem. But every context here is a church context. It's a church context. I'm just telling you, I, I don't get involved with, we're not going to be joining up with the other churches in town to do stuff Especially if they're not, if they don't preach, they're not gospel preachers. I'm just not going to do it. I mean, we are this church. We we stand strong. We are not. And I know I I try not to beat on this too much, but listen. I, everybody asks me, "Have you been to Renew?" No, I'm not going to Renew. I'm not going to. It is a church. It's what their website says. It's a church. Their purpose is a church. The purpose is for them to be a church planter. And they're, they're come from the Presbyterian background, and we do not believe in the Presbyterian way of salvation. I'm not going to give them money. I'm not going to put the Baptist stamp of approval on that organization. You know what I'm saying? And it's kind of the same idea. That, this is not what we're talking about. This is talking about... But what happens inside the family here in the body of Christ, this body of Christ, the church, okay? Why in the world we'd want anything to do with baby sprinkling? We don't get arm in arm with baby sprinkling. Not going to do it. Sorry. Not happening, okay? So this is not that. This is talking, all these, these passages, these verses are church discipline issues, okay? So the church acts corporately. The church acts authoritatively. The church acts purposefully. And the church acts humbly. Humbly. There must be the right kind of spirit when dealing with this. So back to 1 Corinthians in chapter 5. Back to 1 Corinthians in chapter 5. Look at verse 2. And ye are puffed up, and have not rather... Now, the reason they're puffed up is messed up, but he is giving the attitude that it needs to be dealt with. And ye are puffed up, and have not rather mourned. 
that he which hath done this deed might be taken away from among you. This is something that needs to be have a spirit of mourning behind it. Uh, and some of you have probably heard stories or maybe you've been part of those things where uh, man, when it gets into church discipline, there's a spirit of anger. There's a spirit of, some people even literally, it's almost like a glee or a joy that we're getting rid of this person. No, that's wrong. That is, that, that is now a feeling of justification, I understand. But listen, spirit of mourning. I, uh, I, when, when I was growing up and we had to, we had to remove a pastor for adultery, our whole, the whole church, it was awful. The whole church was just, because he was a good, good man. And the church had done so well. And it was awful. I mean, I, I, remember, I remember the tears, people weeping in the corners, and all of us kids coming up out of junior church going, Hey, hey, what's going on? I mean, I remember that. Inst- you could feel it. Walking up, everybody's crying, and, you know, I just, it was a, that's, and that is how it should be dealt with. A spirit of mourning, not joy or glee. As a matter of fact, I'll just tell you, if joy or glee or anger shows up, it should be rebuked. It should be rebuked. That is not the appropriate attitude, and you need to clamp it up, okay? I'm pointing at an imaginary person over here, so nobody thinks. Okay. All right, we could even go down to, chap, uh, well, if you want to add 12, 26, verse uh, the A of that one too. But the spirit of mourning, Galatians 6, 1, I think most of us know that one. Okay, if a brother be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in a spirit of Meekness. Meekness. Okay? What does that mean? Again, gentleness and mildness. You understand that a doctor can remove cancer very gently. A doctor handles a scalpel gently. Do you understand that? Uh, when (laughs) When you have a sliver that needs to be removed... Sometimes you have, to get a, you have to get a knife or a pin and you have to cut some skin and when it's your skin, you're doing it very gently. <laughs> you know, does everybody know what I'm talking about? Okay, the spirit of meekness. It doesn't mean you don't deal with it. It doesn't mean that there doesn't have to be sharp rebuke, but it can be done gently. And I'm telling you, this is, this is mature, really is mature Christianity, is being able to deal with an issue and deal with it gently, but you're still dealing with it. Taking a confrontational thing that must be done and sitting down and having conversations that are literally, I'm just telling you, can put you in hypertension, which you'll feel like. Blood, you're trying to contain yourself, you're trying not to blow up, and you're trying to deal with it properly, containing yourself, dealing with it gently, using proper language, good language, thinking through everything that you say, gentleness and mildness, the spirit of meekness, when the church handles it, they must handle it humbly, and that includes handling it gently and mildly. Uh, there's a lot of people that have been removed from church fellowship for the right reason and will never go back for the wrong reason because it was not dealt with properly. It was not dealt with in a gentle, mild way. Do we connect the dots? Okay. So lastly, on the, under that one, under the, under the church handles it, uh, humbly is the spirit of long suffering. So you're turn over to First Thessalonians in chapter five. 
I'll tell you, if you want another verse, add 2 Timothy 2, or 2 Timothy 4, 2. But we're going to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Go down to verse 14. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, and be patient toward all men. Okay? Again, the idea here is this, this is the last thing on the list. Every other avenue should be exhausted before we get to church discipline. Okay? Long-suffering. Patiently deal with this. Not, we discovered it on Monday and they're out on Wednesday night. Or even Sunday. Okay? You know what I'm saying? It's, it's caution and care. Now, I'm just telling you, there are instances where if you've got someone... Uh, I went to school, I went to college with a, with a guy, was, and he was in our house, and uh, we, enjoyed, we enjoyed company with him. Uh, he was a blessing to us, very much so. Years, in the years prior, while we were there, we, we were, uh, felt like we were kind of a little bit parents away from home. And, uh, of course, ministry led us all separate ways. He went into the ministry and ended up, ended up in politics and then was uh, found to be uh, with an underage female in a motel and it had been a a habit while he was in politics and had I mean just total total shock I'm just telling you something like that comes out in the middle of something a church does have to deal with that you don't have a choice at that point I mean it's now it's been dealt it's been found out it's been found out legally the church has to do something about that when they're capable of getting together and dealing with it that's just I mean those things do happen um, like First Corinthians 5, the guy there that needed to be dealt with. So that's, again, patiently, again, there needs to be wisdom and prayer and all those things to be dealt with. So the church should act decisively, okay? Again, this does not mean angrily. In a do- when, when it finally comes time to act, don't toy with it, do it. Um, it must be done, okay? Titus 1.13 Wherefore, rebuke them sharp. We already read that one. Rebuke them sharply. It may be sound in the faith. A sharp rebuke does not mollify the sin. And as you can tell here in 1 Corinthians 5, it was, he said, this is what you've got to do. And we know from 2 Corinthians that is exactly what they did. There must be some decisiveness. Um, matter of fact, I think 2 Corinthians says that. Yes, 2 Corinthians 7, 11, For behold the selfsame thing that she sorrowed after a godly sort, what carefulness it wrought in you, what clearing of yourselves, yea, what indignation, yea, what fear, yea, what vehement desire, yea, what zeal, yea, what revenge. In all things ye have approved yourself to be clear in this matter. So they did deal with this issue, okay? So it must be dealt with, and it must be dealt with decisively again, not angrily. And again, I'm going to take you back this is not an axe. This is a scalpel. Okay? This is something that must be done 
it, it must be done. Again, if you're thinking it well thought out, there must, it must be care. There's family going to be involved. How do you help the family and not hinder them? Are there kids involved? How can you help the kids and not completely lose them in church? You know, is there spouse involved? How do we take care of the spouse? Is this going to cause a division in the family? Does the church need to support the spouse? Do we need to provide extra counseling, extra time for the spouse? Do you hear what I'm saying? All, this is something that must be done with care and with, it does need to be done. Does it, I mean, it does need to be done. I mean, that you think about uh, Brother Boonstra working in a combat, a forward, front lines combat as a combat medic. And you think about the kind of stuff that they were dealing with all the time and having to, uh, I mean, literally, as best as medically as possible, hacking off limbs as fast as possible, but they still weren't just taking an axe and going, thunk, okay, this one's done, next one, thunk, okay? There was still care taken in how that was done, even with speed. And, of course, in things like this, you would hope you'd have time to have a lot of doctor's visits. So um, a caring man takes time in saving every good tissue possible. A caring doctor, okay? Like, for instance, uh, anybody here, if, if you've had joint replacements, you know that the doctor has purposefully left your original equipment in as long as possible. Why? Because there ain't nothing better. <laughs> there ain't nothing better than original equipment, and they want it to stay there as long as possible. You, you want a doctor who's going to care. You want the church. The church should be a caring group that is going to take time and save as much good tissue as possible. And lastly, the church acts charitably. Charitably. Okay? The New Testament, again, the New Testament makes provision for the restoration of an excluded individual. Second Corinthians. Second Corinthians 1, exclude him. At Second Corinthians 2, he was excluded and repented, and the teaching then was to how to receive him back. The church must act charitably. Don't burn bridges. Now, this is good always. Don't burn bridges. Don't, don't burn bridges on stuff like this. Uh, I, you know, I think about that with family, too. Your family, family, children can do awful, awful things. And sometimes, sometimes even at a, in a house, a, a, a child has to be put out of the house, if you will, okay? told they can no longer live there, older children. Older children, obviously. Um, why? Because they've, they've been wicked, okay? It doesn't mean you burn those bridges. So when, when we send someone out the door, they have to understand that the bridge is there for them to walk back. They can come back. They have to come back getting right, but there's a way back. And when they walk back through those doors, it's not, oh, I'm not forgiving them. No, that's not even Christian, much less charitable. There needs to be open arms. They need to understand that we want them to come back. We, we, we probably need them to come back. They're leaving a hole. Well, you know, uh, we want them to come back. 2 Corinthians uh, chapter uh, 2 is a good passage on this one. 2 Corinthians in chapter 2. I love how Paul puts this when he says in verse, uh, in verse 6, after referencing this, chapter, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 6, sufficient, sufficient to such a man is, the puni- is this punishment, 
So he's been punished enough, which was inflicted of many, so that contrariwise you ought rather to forgive him and comfort him, lest perhaps such an one should be swallowed up with overmuch sorrow. Wherefore I beseech you that you would confirm your love toward him. So he's, he's now come back through, he's getting things right. Confirm that love. Make sure he was, a lot of people turned away from him, now a lot of people are going to turn back towards him. Confirm that love. Okay? In this example, the church is admonished to restore the excluded one. And again, that's the highest purpose of church discipline. That is the goal of church discipline is restoration. Now, again, one of the purposes is protection and purity of the church. But the goal should always be restoration. The hope, at least, very much so. Okay, so we're going to look at four things and we'll be done. Again, number one, when they walk back through the door and are choosing to forgive, all church action against them ceases. We're done. We're not, we're, not with, we're not excluding them from Christian fellowship. We're not excluding them from the, the society or the group. We're not watching them. Do you hear that? We're not watching them. But what does it say in verse 6? Sufficient to such a man is this punishment, which was inflicted of many. It's sufficient. It's done. You're over. It's done. We don't need to mark them anymore. We don't need to note them anymore. We don't need to you know, put them away anymore. None of that. Okay? There needs to be Christ-like forgiveness, as verse 7 says, so that contrary-wise, you ought rather to forgive him. Forgiveness is a choice, it's not a feeling. If you trust your feelings, you will rarely, if ever, forgive. Forgiveness is a choice, it's not a feeling. Your feelings will continually tell you that you need not to forgive them. Forgiveness is a choice. That's why every once in a while you grab your feelings by the throat, you slap them around a little bit and say, you're not in charge here, pal. I chose to forgive, and I forgave a long time ago. And uh, remember who the enemy is. The devil doesn't want you to forgive. He wants to keep stirring it up and cause division. So remember who the enemy is there. So contrarywise, forgive him. And we could look at verse 10 there as well. To whom ye forgive anything, I forgive also. For if I forgave anything to whom I forgave it, for your sakes, uh, forgave I it in the person of Christ. In other words, well, I've been away. What will happen to that guy? Oh, he's all settled. It's all back. It's all done. Yep, we forgave him. But what about? Nope. It's forgiven. We're not going to talk about that anymore. It's done. Amen. All right. So, cessation of all church action, Christ-like forgiveness, comfort. Again, what does it say in verse 7? You ought rather to forgive him and comfort him. Lest perhaps such an one should be swallowed up with overmuch sorrow. If If you at all are watching, paying attention to what's going on in the Mormon community right now, there's a lot of truths that are coming out about the things that have been happening in the, in the church and truths that they're finding out about uh, Joseph Smith and some of those other things, and people are being regularly tossed. <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you, a lot, and it's a lot of young people, but not just young people. Come, and when they leave, they're distraught. This is, this is the life they grew up in. Uh, you understand, these are the people they love. When they talk about their bishop, they talk about them with respect. That was my bishop. That, you know, this was my church. And what, understand, when somebody has sinned and they walk back in that door, they are scared to death because this is what humans, what we fear, is walking in and finding no place and being rejected. Now granted, if you've not walked back in and asked for forgiveness, you're not going to find what you want. But if you're walking in repentance... 
walking in repenting, admitting what you've done, seeking forgiveness, amen, uh, you should find comfort. Restored members should not be treated any differently than any other member. Say that again. Restored members should not be treated. There's no probationary period. Okay? Restored members should not be treated differently than any other member in good standing. Why don't we need probationary period? Because if they blow it, we start the whole process over again, don't we? Some person sees it, they walk up and say, Hey, brother, you did this. It ain't right. You're right. You're right. You hear what? Okay? Amen. Okay. And lastly, a confirmation of love. Verse 8. I love this. Wherefore, I beseech ye that you would confirm your love toward him. That's purposed. That's purposed. I, I would even say that, if, and, and I've seen it, I, I have actually seen it done uh, by a man you all would know where he had to discipline someone and uh, the, they got it right and they came up and they apologized. They admitted, did this, it was wrong, we should not have done it, it please forgive us. And the, the people gathered up just as if they were a new member. Shake hands, welcome them, it's all good, you know, maybe not for him right now. But you hear what I'm saying? They all walked through and welcomed them back, purposefully comforting them. You know, a little extra arm around the shoulder, pat on the back, a purposed word, a welcome them in, you know, okay. They're welcome, they're welcome back to the, you know, chess night and, you know, dinner after church, purposefully, okay? So confirmation of love. So the way, the way of church discipline. Amen. Oof. Good stuff, isn't it? I mean, when you really think about it, God just really knows the hearts and minds of people who have blown it. And he knows how to tell the church how to handle it so that they're, they are protecting themselves, but they're also extending uh, an offering of hope to the one who might seek repentance and how to bring them right back in. Amen. Isn't that what God did for us? Amen. Thank the Lord. He certainly did. Father, we thank you, Lord, 